Table family, thank you for being with us this evening. Uh, so the title of my message this Good Friday is Stuck. Stuck. And uh, we have kind of already read our, our main texts for tonight. Um, the Hebrews 7 passage that Stephanie read earlier and, uh, and then all of John 19. Um, however, I would like us to begin just by focusing on, on just one verse. Um, this is the one that Jeremiah read. This is John 19, uh, verse 30. And it says, So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So those three words spoken by Jesus that, that I just read, they're, they're so tiny, and yet I believe they carry a certain depth, a, a mountain of meaning within them. Because when Jesus says, it is finished, he is not simply saying, my time has come to pass away. Rather, Jesus is proclaiming that the high point, the pinnacle of his ministry to bear our sins has been completed. And it's interesting that in more modern times, uh, we people in general, we've kind of become somewhat uncomfortable with this idea of, J of Jesus bearing our sins. But I, I think that's, that's a mistake because as I look um, both around me at the broader culture, as well as within myself, it seems that we still just, just so desperately need someone to do precisely that. Uh, let's talk first about the, the broader culture as we kind of look around us. So the levels of resentment that we are now bearing towards one another are absolutely astounding. I, I don't know for sure. I suspect social media has kind of amplified this and made it worse, regardless though of the exact um, you know path or how it's happened. It, it certainly feels like we have reached peak levels of righteous indignation with one another. And to be clear, like, yes, people um, can be very crappy and yes, our history with one another, however you slice it, whether along class lines, racial lines, gender, sexual orientation, age, uh, re religion, politics, I mean, what, however you slice it, uh, it is in so many ways messy and downright terrible at points. So, so I get it. Uh, but the ways I, I see us now kind of blasting anyone who disagrees with us as not simply wrong or misguided, but as personally loathsome and borderline less than human, uh, or the way I see people collecting offenses like my grandmother collected precious moments figurines, uh, that's when you know, like we've got issues. It's like it's like we're we're stuck, locked forever in an unending conflict. But as I said, it's not just what I've observed out there in the culture uh, that makes me think Jesus bearing sins is a highly relevant idea. Uh, it's also what I've observed in myself. I find myself struggling all the time <laughs> with resentment. Does this demon, so to speak, haunt you too? Resentment, this deep feeling that people have done me wrong and I can't get over it, can't let it go. Uh, sometimes it's for 
like silly kind of embarrassing things uh, because, you know, to live in community with others can be death by a thousand paper cuts. Other times it's more serious. Let me start with uh, a somewhat silly example. I have three children and uh, I live then with uh, four more of my, my nieces and my nephew. So seven children total in our home. And uh, they all really like cutie oranges. And uh, they cutie oranges are now the bane of my existence because if I have to gather up for the 1,000th time, the shell of another dismembered cutie orange simply left on the, out, the counter for me to throw out again, I'm going to scream at someone. Uh, okay, so that's a silly example. Um, others though are, are more serious. I remember um, recently I was out and around the town. Uh, I think I was at Walmart or something when suddenly I saw someone across the store and this was someone who had kind of hurt me, not like physically, but but relationally, emotionally. And so I'm, I'm going down uh, one aisle and when suddenly I saw them in like an Olympic figure skater or a ballerina executing a beautiful pirouette, I just, I spun, just spun the other direction, just, just go in the other direction, just flat out avoiding them. Uh, and, and why did I do that? Well, because I thought I was over it until I saw them. And then I was like, you sorry, no good so-and-so. My mind had just exploded into argumentation, like internally. I was just, what, what's going on? I was stuck in resentment. Or sometimes uh, I don't even have to be out and around. In fact, nearly every time I'm sitting in silence with, with Christ each morning, uh, almost inevitably at some point, a, a face flashes through my mind. Sometimes it will be someone I interacted with you know, yesterday. Other times it's a person I haven't thought about in a decade. But sure enough, who, who is it? It's someone that I perceive did me wrong. And I can feel the anger welling up inside me. And then the mental argumentation begins again. I become in that moment the unholy trinity of prosecuting attorney, judge, and jury. And I am blasting them. Yes, in this moment, what I'm describing, I'm supposed to be praying. But when this happens, it just, it just takes over. And I'm just, I'm blasting them with my resentment and bitterness, just giving them what they deserve. I'm stuck, stuck in resentment. Sometimes though, it's not even about other people, just as often, maybe more often, it's myself. All of my failures flashing through my mind. I can see why people are afraid of silence. I get it. Like, because in silence, it all comes back up, doesn't it? That's why sometimes we're in the car, we have to turn on the radio. You know, we're at the house, turn on the TV. Just no one else is home. Just turn on the, just get some noise. <laughs> because when we're there just with ourselves, it all comes back up, doesn't it? All of the anger and the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the unresolved conflict, the regret, the tension. And in that moment, it's like, it's like we're having to relive it in some sense. It's just all coming back up, heart racing, my hands getting cold. It just feels like I am stuck. And that's us, right? Lost in a cycle of collective and individual resentment and bitterness. And honestly, it feels like a dead end. 
because sometimes you can work it through. Sometimes that that person who offended, you know, they will say they are sorry, uh, but often they won't. Or sometimes we're just fighting ghosts that died long ago. I mean, there's no one even left for us to either give an apology to or receive an apology from. Just a stalemate. Now, the Old Testament had a solution of sorts, uh, specifically for your own sins against others. So what you do is you would sacrifice an animal, and then you'd ask God to extend forgiveness to you. So the sacrifice of an animal, it was a, a physical act that communicated, look, this mattered. Sin has consequences. That's the symbol, the symbolism of it. it it, sin has consequences. It breaks things. It breaks creatures. It breaks my sense of communion and connectedness to God and other people. And so the animal here was a symbol of the weightiness of that breaking. But of course, because your sins weren't a one-time thing, neither was your sacrificing. And so you kept going back to engage the sacrificial ritual over and over and over again. But eventually, uh, this led to a, a type of crisis uh, among the people of God at that time. And uh, prophets like Micah and Jeremiah and Isaiah, they all began to say, this doesn't seem to be working. Here's a a passage from the Old Testament. This is Micah chapter six, verses six through seven. He writes, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. Now, just to be clear, they didn't actually practice like human sacrifice, but you can see him kind of kind of trying to play it out. Like, wh what else can I do? Like, we're stuck. Can you hear the echoes there of this? This doesn't seem to be working. It's, it's like putting um, Band-Aids on a wound that actually needs surgery. You ever had that moment where you cut yourself and it's a deep one and you're trying to decide like whether or not to go to the hospital for more serious treatment, <laughs> but maybe you're hopeful. So you kind of, you know, you slap a bandaid on and you like raise your arm, but the blood <laughs> keeps running and eventually reality, you know, it sets in like we need to go to the hospital. Well, and kind of take that metaphor. Uh, it took a few thousand years, but eventually for the people of God, reality set in. The blood of lambs and goats, uh, it was, was not cutting it. We needed a deeper covenant. We needed a new high priest. We needed a final sacrifice to get us unstuck. And this is the great theme of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Uh, which is why it says in verse 27 of chapter 7, as Stephanie earlier so beautifully read it, um, unlike the other high priests, he, Jesus, has no need 
to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, then for those of the people. No, this he did once for all when he offered who? Himself. Or as Jesus in John 19 verse 30 put it, it is finished. It is finished. Isn't it interesting how when we are fighting with someone, uh, but then something interrupts us, we will say, uh, this is not finished. Have you ever said something like that? Like, mm -mm. don't you think that just because I'm walking away to handle this other situation, don't you think that this is finished? This is not finished. I think that's a, a, a beautiful picture of what's going on, of really of us, right? We're sort of looking at the whole world and um, and in, in the same way, everyone's kind of looking back at us. Like we're all saying to one another, this is not finished. This is not finished. Oh no, you think this is, oh, this is not finished. No, 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 no. This, um, can you get the picture? Everyone's just, we are not finished. But seen from the cross, seen from the cross, it actually is finished. We already know where this ends. It ends with God, miracle of miracles, extending the possibility of forgiveness and healing to every person, to every tribe and nation and tongue. It is finished. Now, you might say, but what about what about justice? I mean, if God just forgives everyone, are we just throwing justice to the wind? That's a good question. Um, for one thing, I mean, this is why Jesus died, right? To be the scapegoat. But but even beyond that, I've preached on this before, that I actually do believe in, in some sort of kind of afterlife um, judgment, uh, commonly known as hell, as under, understood. But when I say that, I mean it. Um, hell as understood as the purifying fire of the love of God. And so if someone does not repent and change, then perhaps what they have done has so deeply marred and mangled their soul in the life to come that they will experience the love of God as a purifying fire, as a, a wounding love that is actually healing them. But, but it, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> so now the key is though, in that vision, God does not hate them. And Christ does not withhold forgiveness from them. He died for them. And yes, again, you, you might be thinking like, what about, what about reconciliation? Like, are you saying I'm just, we're just, everyone hold hands, just be friends. And um, again, forgiveness is, it's not, it's not the same as reconciliation. You can't reconcile, much less trust someone in this life who won't own their mess, right? Their own stuff, their own sins. So of course, you may still have to set healthy boundaries with people who are abusive to you um, or just plain immature and unwilling to own their stuff. And yes, there is a season for you to grieve and feel all the feelings and um, you know, go to therapy or join a small group. Uh, and work things through. And I don't believe churches are places that, or should be places that like rush people to quickly forgive, you know, those who have deeply wounded them. So yes, um, all of those objections have truth in them, no doubt. But what are we tempted by? It seems in this age that as we have 
let go of this idea of Jesus bearing sins, as we have let go even of the idea of forgiveness, that we are in that very moment, we are tempted by a deep pride. A pride that says, I am innocent and I would never do the things they have done. I am not capable of that level of evil. But you know what that is? That's ego. We are so very fragile that we, we do not want to face the fact that we are all capable of atrocious things. Our culture is so deeply immature, we have not yet learned to face our shadow side, to recognize it, to realize that the root of that same evil is in us too. Because God knows. God knows about the addiction. God knows about the abuse. Not that you suffered, that you inflicted on others. God knows about the adultery, the 10,000 lies. God knows whatever your secret messed upness is. And when we acknowledge that, only then have we started down the spiritual path. Only then have we begun to be a Christian because now you can humble yourself. Now you can join all of the other sinners at the foot of the cross and we can look up and we can say, that was my doing. That was our doing. He is bearing, not their sins, he is bearing my sins and our sins. It is finished for them and for me. And this is why to be a Christian is to be on the path of becoming unstuck. This is why it is the highest freedom. It is to live into the knowledge that I am fully forgiven and deeply loved. And thus I am free to humble myself, to receive that forgiveness and then do what? Extend it to others. Extend it to others. Does this mean we will always get that right? Um, no. Does it mean I will always see that person in Walmart and run up and greet them warmly? No. But I'm learning, we are learning to get unstuck from our bitterness, our resentment, our rage, because it is finished. So in closing, I guess the question would be, where are you still stuck? And are you ready to declare that it is finished. If so, I want, I want to just invite you um, to pray this prayer along with me. Lord Jesus, I know that you bore my sin on the cross, and that means you bore their sin too. Forgive me as I forgive them. Release me as I release them. 
Help me live in a way that is light and free from all resentment. In the name of the crucified one, I pray. Amen.